0: Hey, it's Mistress Carrie, reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 84 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Digital Federal Credit Union better known as DCU. And since their beginnings as the credit union for the employees of Digital Equipment Corporation in 1979, DCU has never lost sight of its roots of being a not-for-profit financial cooperative owned by and operated by and for their members. And a lot of things can change in 40 years, but some things remain constant, like DCU's unwavering commitment to provide exceptional service and to make a positive impact in the community. Is where their members live and work and no matter what their members unique goals are they are committed to helping them the only way they know how the dcu way which consists of three simple philosophies that guide each and every dcu team member people come first do the right thing and make a difference giving back is central to what they do And I know this because I've been working with DCU for almost two decades now. And I've watched how they treat their customers, and I also watch the kind of initiatives they get behind. Before we get going, I want to send some love to some of the people that have a Mistress Carrie backstage pass on Patreon. So I want to say hi to Brian, Marcy, Robert, Christina, Lindsay, Betty, Michelle, John, Larkin, and Sharon. If you want to get more details on the Mistress Carrie backstage passes, you can search Mistress Carrie on Patreon or click the link on mistresscarrie.com. Okay, you better buckle up for this episode because this is going to take you on a ride. Right before Christmas, I had a chance to sit down with Lilith Czar, and we talked the week that the Evanescence and Hailstorm co headlining tour was postponed because of COVID. And Lilith was basically in Cincinnati. In the childhood bedroom of her husband, Andy Bierzak from Blackville Brides. What was supposed to be a 30 to 45 minute conversation about her new album, created from filth and dust, turned into a two hour laugh fest. You know that scene in Step Brothers when they look at each other and they're like, Did we just become best friends? Do you wanna go do karate in the garage? That's basically what happens in this episode between Lilith Czar and I. We had an absolute blast, and by the end of it, we were looking at each other's feet. I'm not kidding, it really happened. We talked about growing up and musical inspiration, songwriting, touring, relationships, the aforementioned feet, what it's like to be a woman in the rock and roll business, and so much more. We had an absolute blast. And those shows with Hailstorm and Evanescence are being made up this week. Lilith Czar is also taking part in the big gig at the end of April in Worcester, Massachusetts at the DCU Center. Which is the farewell show for WAF, the radio station that I used to be on. Godsmack, Three Days Grace, Wage War, and the aforementioned Black Veil Brides are also on the lineup. And tickets are still available. I could not have had more fun talking to Lilith Czar. and by the end of the interview, my abdomen physically hurt from laughing. She is hilarious, she is ballsy, she takes no shit, and she has got opinions, but she is also sweet and sentimental and sensitive. And you know what? Allow me to introduce you to the one and only Lilith Czar. the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh God. Oh yeah. You're on the record now. Okay, so, so uh, I won't say anything I regret. Yeah, <laughs> or you can if you want. That's fine too. No, I'm good. I can. <laughs> I, I'm a I'm a Pisces,
1: so anything I can do to avoid saying something I regret. Probably Otherwise, I'll just
0: I'll just sit and think about it all Christmas. Uh, <laughs> just, just obsess over it. Well, thank you for sort coming of, on the show. Yeah. Um, my first question is what should I call you? What do you prefer now? You can call me Lila. Okay. Um I know you're not home. You just told me before I hit record you're not home. Where are you? I am in
1: my husband's childhood
0: bedroom. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So we had a, a, we had an abrupt end to uh, the Evanescence Hailstorm tour. Um, by the grace of God, it, it happened in Cincinnati where uh, my in-laws live. So I was able to um, pack up really quickly and just kick it here until, until Andy got here for Christmas.
0: That is one of the reasons why I, I wanted to talk to you because... You have now got like back to back shows scheduled here because the rescheduled date for Wister with Evanescence and Hailstorm is now January twentieth. Mm-hmm. Then you are going to be coming back at the end of April and playing the same arena at the big gig with Godsmack and Three Days Grace and Black Veil Brides. So I yeah, figured I know. we it's should really... get to know each other because I am going to see you a lot.
1: I, I I love this plan. I mean, I am it. It's So, um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's something, you know, this, these arenas and these venues that I'm playing and and these artists I'm playing with, it's just been like, you know, a dream for so many years. So this is like, (laughs) you know, it's, it's almost, I don't really believe it until I'm standing on the stage kind of, you know, scenario. So, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be to be playing
0: not not once, but twice next year.
1: This, you know, venue. It's really awesome.
0: And then uh, they just released the entire lineup for the Welcome to Rockville Festival in Daytona, which is just ridiculous. I mean, that's that's a ridiculous festival.
1: It's ridiculous. Like I, it's a dream festival. It's all my favorite bands. I can't I cannot. Stop telling myself like every day. Like you're playing the same day, Foo Fighters is playing. (laughs) Like what? They're my favorite. My favorite modern modern rock band is Foo Fighters. So for me, this is just like next year is going to be awesome.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for a lot of reasons. And I've been telling everybody um, ask for concert tickets for gifts and give concert tickets as gifts because. 2022 is shaping up to be probably the craziest touring year ever. Yeah, I mean it makes sense, you know, with the backlog and with you know 2020
1: going to shit and then pretty much everything that was supposed to happen in 2020 got moved to 2021. And so now it's kind of like the floodgates have been opened and everyone and their mom is like, you know, going, going on
0: tour. <laughs> Yeah do you mind going so. going back because I, I want I want people to kind of understand what your story is. and I want to know, going back to like your childhood, I think it's fascinating. Here's my theory on music. My theory is that music lovers get exposed to music from the people that hand it down to them. So mm-hmm. parents, older siblings, the cool uncle, whatever it is. And then at one point in your music-loving adolescence, you cross a line where you say, okay, for the first time, this music is mine. This band, this song is something you discover on your own. What was the soundtrack of your house growing up? And then what was that first artist that you were like, okay, now I've found my own musical identity?
1: Well, growing up, um, you know, what opened my eyes to... To rock music and classic rock and blues and soul and all of that was like, you know, my parents playing Zeppelin, Beatles, Rolling Stones, Fleetwood Mac, Simon and Garfunkel, Steve Miller, um, Jimi Hendrix, uh, to Aretha Franklin, to James Brown, Otis Redding, you know, the, the, the classics. And so that was like very much injected into my musical dna um from a young age and i would say around 11 11 12 was when i was introduced to like on my own accord obviously i listened to the radio a lot and so i was inter- introduced to foo fighters alanis morissette nirvana um smashing pumpkins um you know, Jimmy Eat World, Dashboard Confessional, Metallica. um, And then, you know, those that opens, that's kind of like, you know, your gateway drug is once you find, once you accidentally start finding all of these gems, it leads you down the path of like, okay, well, who influenced them? Who are they on tour with? And it just kind of like, you know, opens the gate and it's just from there, it's, you're going down the, you know, the rabbit hole.
0: At what point when you were growing up, did you go from just listening to the radio and getting exposed to all that amazing classic rock that your parents were playing? At what point did you go, I think I'm a musician. I think I'm a singer. Does it run in the family? Well, yeah, we have a lot
1: of musicians in the family. I I knew I was a singer. I mean, like at the age of like three or four, even though I was god awful, <laughs> I that's what I did. I Walked around the house singing all day long, dancing, performing, putting on like it was my my sister, my brother and I's favorite thing to do every night was like to put on a show for our family. And it was I don't I mean, God bless them for sitting through the weird (laughs) shit we made them watch us do. Um, But uh, yeah, I knew I was I knew I wanted to be a singer from a very, very young age. I didn't really um, start getting too I didn't start getting very serious about it until I was like. Twelve years old <clears throat> when I actually like started trying to learn to to like write my own songs and stuff like that. But singing has always been in my life since I can remember.
0: Do you remember the first song you wrote?
1: Yes, I do. It's called "I Need You Now," and it's awful. <laughs> it's so <laughs> bad. I have I have to. We're going to Florida in, uh, like next week to visit my parents, and I know I have the the CD somewhere, but I have it recorded. And it is so bad, but I was so proud of it. And it was like, it was that surge of like, I, I don't know how to explain it. When you create something and you write something out of thin air, and then you then, you then record it and you listen to this thing that you created, there's like, it, it drives you and pushes you to, to do it again. To, you it's, uh, there's a feeling it's kind of like being on stage you know you just want you want that feeling over and over and over again and so um even though the song is terrible it <laughs> propelled me to to continue you know writing and recording and all that so
0: I I'm very envious I, lo- of I love it for that reason yeah I'm <laughs> very I'm very envious of the process of songwriting because I can't do it I've I've tried because I love music so much And my level of musical ability stopped in the high school marching band with the clarinet and it never pursued anything further. And I've had the most amazing conversations with artists over the years because so many great artists came from the marching band. Sure. And look look, I don't know how to play the clarinet. (laughs) I couldn't I couldn't play the clarinet if you put a gun in my
1: head right now. Neither could I, I, Lilith.
0: A clarinet (laughs) player on my record. I would I would love to call you. <laughs> There's not enough heavy metal clarinet these days. There just really isn't. Mm. Oh, man. Run it through like a Marshall stack with, with a wah wah pedal or something. It could be amazing. Oh, my. That could be really cool. <laughs> What's the last song I heard with clarinet? It's got to be like New Orleans blues. It's really. I, th- yeah. Well, I'm thinking, like, didn't jazz. they have that, like, in the Eagles? Didn't they use that a lot? It's possibly the saxophone just was way cooler when it came to rock and roll. Like the sax. If you're going to go down the coolness of Reed instruments, the sax is just way cool. Yeah. The saxophone and just
1: no shirt. That's just all. I When I think of somebody playing sax, I just think of like, you know, what is that? What was that 80s movie? Um, Fire. uh, St. Elmo's Fire. Fire.
0: Fire. That's
1: what it makes me think
0: of. Oh yeah. Oh man. So that funny. was that was uh Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe. Oh
1: man. Yeah. So good. He changed <laughs> so a lot of girls'
0: lives back then. I'm sure he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so are you are you discovering you're a singer super young and then trying to play instruments? Like at what point? Were you just like, nope? Singing is my jam. This is what I'm doing. Well, I started. Um, I started piano before I started
1: to learn to play guitar, and so I knew I. Lo- I loved singing, but I also knew that I loved writing. And what happened was, um, I started piano lessons, and I was like, okay, cool. And I, you know, I got kind of good, and I was just like, all right, this is. A little boring and um, not, <laughs> not as sexy as I want it to be. Yeah. So um, what happened was around the age of um, around the age of 12, I would say I my brother got really my brother was a musician and is a musician. Great. He's like one of those musicians that knows how to play like every instrument, like when he writes and records a record. I he hate plays people all the like that. I hate, just don't. I know. I'm try. like, oh, cool, cool. You're good at everything. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> um, so he he got very sick of me coming to him to be like hey I have this idea for a song here are some lyrics can you write the, can you help write the music because you know he was so he was so good at guitar and all of that and he was like he, you know for a few few times he humored me and 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 would sit and write the chords and finally he was like okay I've had enough of this here Gave me like a spare acoustic guitar. He's like, learn how to play this. And I was like, cool. What's this? <laughs> <laughs> no idea what I was doing. And he, so he, he was the first one to, to you know, teach me C, G, D, A, like all the very simple, basic Beatles chords. And so for about like, you know, learning to play guitar is it's excruciating for the person learning, but it's also excruciating for the people that live in the house with the person learning to play guitar. Because it's excruciating all day long, when they just you're hear, trying to play the plink, clarinet, too. Plank, Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, I think anybody learning to play an instrument who's ever subjected to that noise yes. it, like deserves a fucking medal. <laughs> um, because for six months, it was just me in my bedroom being like, <clears throat> plink, plank, plunk. <laughs>
0: Next chord, not only that, but God. it wreaks havoc on your fingers too. Oh, my finger my fingertips
1: are destroyed for life. I mean, it's it's kind of like a badge of honor having calluses because it's like, oh, this is how much I love my instrument. But but also like I don't know, man. Like anytime my husband and I are like laying in bed watching a movie and like I go to pet his head, he's like, get your <laughs> rock fingers off my face, please. <laughs> All right. Here's the other hand. So, um, so yeah, my brother, I really owe that, um, you know, my, uh, musicianship and songwriting, right. Like the beginning stages of that to my brother, you know, kind of getting set up with me.
0: (laughs) I love hearing what guitar players, what was the song that you finally played right? And you were like, Oh my God, I might actually know how to do this now. Do you remember what it was? Man, that's a, I've never been asked that.
1: I mean, the first song I learned to play I, I guess I owe it to the first song I played learned to play on guitar, which was Love Love Me Do by the Beatles. And the reason that's the usually the first song every guitar player learns, it's because it's only two chords. <laughs> <laughs> but A brilliant two chords, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the best pop songs ever. But that was like, that was the.
0: I I mean, I was just like, wow,
1: you can write a song with two chords.
0: This is amazing. I'm going to keep doing this. Paul McCartney cashes checks every month from writing songs with two chords. Big checks too. Dude,
1: dude. We're I'm watching the um that documentary right now. Oh, the Peter Jackson documentary.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, get back. Have you st- have you watched any of it? Yeah. It's, oh my! Oh, I am a. They're my so... favorite band, and I and I apologize to everyone that it listens to the show that hates the Beatles. What do you have to apologize? No, 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 oh no, my god! Because the Beatles. First of all, anybody that hates the Beatles, I don't understand you. Just fuck off. But anybody that does, I feel so bad because it doesn't matter the musician. It doesn't matter how new the band, how old the band. At one point or another, these conversations always go back to the Beatles. Every single time. Well, yeah. I mean, they were pioneers. Yeah. And not just that, but
1: like, besides Rubber Soul. Sorry. 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 (laughs) Not a dud. Yeah. I mean, what not a lot of bands, you know, not a lot of bands can can say that every single record like you can you could sit and debate every Beatles record, like which one's the best the entire
0: day. Well, Rubber and Soul it's, is the transition record. That's, yeah, I mean, that's I the record that they had to go through to get to Abbey Road, Sgt. Pepper, the White Album, because they were coming uh, from the yeah. Love Me Do Beatles and they. They needed a conduit and rubber. They needed to get in. weird.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They, they needed to kind of go somewhere. Where they were like, hmm, maybe we just take it back a little bit and we mix a little bit of this. Yeah. You know, for, yeah. So that's a really good point. Um, but yeah, I mean, watching this, uh, this documentary is so fascinating because you're like, wait a minute.
0: That's how you guys wrote that. Oh my God. Watching Why McCartney, write Get back. In three minutes, just sitting there?
1: It's sickening. I mean, God really does have his favorites.
0: <laughs> seriously. Can you leave some excellence for the rest of us, please? Just, I, I, just leave two seriously. songs for someone else to write, please. I know. But also,
1: like, I think about this all the time. I'm like, is are we going to ever reach a point in music where, like, there's nothing left to write?
0: I mean, when I talk to guitar players all the time, I ask them, like, how did Tony Iommi and Jimmy Page and, like, Hendrix and Angus Young not take all the rock and roll riffs? Like, did they take them all? Are there any left? I I mean, they did pretty... uh,
1: uh, I mean, if you think... If you listen to anything past, like, 19... Like, 1990, everything can be traced back to, you know, these iconic songwriters and iconic guitar players. It's like we could for the rest for the rest of time we could continue to write um you know uh original material. But everything at the, for, at least for me when I listen to music now it's almost like it's like watch it's like watching a movie with my sister. She's an actress. It's an impossible thing to do because the entire time she's like wow that was delivered poorly. Like she's <laughs> commenting on the, you know, the, the, um, the movie and the acting, the story and the, and the, um, it's like being in the car with me, listening to the radio. I'm I'm sure. I'm sure. It's the same thing. Yeah. So like I listen to a song and I go. Melody is exactly this, or that chord progression is this. It's very hard for me to listen to music without being like very cynical.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Like,
1: Come on. That's this melody. You just, it's just half a step down.
0: You know, and all of those so, iconic guitar riffs too though if you asked a jimmy page or you know if you were able to ask a hendrix or whatever they would be able to point to the to the little known blues cats that they were that they were picking stuff from too so those riffs didn't even come from them it's just that they got it from somewhere else so i guess it's impossible to kind of be the originator of anything
1: i mean it's true i mean they
0: say that if you want um. what's the saying? I don't know.
1: I don't know what the exact saying is, but they say, like, if you want to really understand your heroes, listen to their heroes. And so like, it's, and then imagine going listening to their heroes as heroes. And like, you can trace it back to, you know, the beginning of music itself, but you know, everything is influenced by everything. And we've. I think we've gotten to a point in music where it's just like, I listen to songs and I'm like, that is straight up this song. That is exactly, you know, like it's getting to that point where everything new is,
0: you can connect the dots. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. it's, it, I like the architecture, the uh, archaeological dig though. You know, yeah. I like a song that makes me go, Ooh, wait, hold on. And then you, and then you dig it back and go through the layers because you find such amazing music that you may not have discovered before.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, it, I was actually not called out, but this guy was doing a reaction to um, King, one of my songs. Mm-hmm. He was like, you know, that they do those like YouTube reaction yeah. videos and he i mean he was so complimentary very very nice but when i was writing that song with my producer our first like influence for that song was zeppelin's immigrant song and he nailed it right on the head i was watching the video and he stops it at the beginning because there's like this bass line that's like very much like the beginning of immigrant song and um And he called it and I was like, Oh my God, see, it's, it's just, we've gotten to that point in music where it's like something
0: is like something. (laughs) But we are also getting to a point now where the immigrant song is so old that a new rock fan that may not have ever even known it's as weird as the sentence is to come out of my mouth for a new rock fan to not have Don't known... do say it! <laughs> For a new rock fan to have not known about the Immigrant Song, a teenager that discovers Lilith Zarr, right, and then all of a sudden sees that reaction video and goes, wait, what are they talking about? And then they're like, Google Immigrant Song. And then this thing comes out of their speakers like we're at the point now where these things are going to happen as much as we don't want to say it out loud. No, for sure. I mean, it's, it's generational
1: too. Like I, when I was, when I was a teenager discovering, you know, my mom's, one of my mom's favorite singers, Janis Joplin, like, you know, I'm here, I'm listening to Alanis, Fiona Apple, Jewel, you know, um, a lot of these nineties iconic and like early two thousands, uh, rock singers, my mom's like, Hey, check, check out. Yeah. This woman named Janis Joplin. That was, you know, from the seventies, my era, but blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Oh, oh yeah. my God. See like, Joni you know, Mitchell. See, the- Oh, jo- Oh, this, then heart. Yeah. Then like, I mean, Joan Jett oh, and hell yeah. you know, Patti Smith and like all of these just like b- Blondie, like all of this, you know, it just takes you back to, um, you know, again, down the down the rabbit hole of just, you know, incredible musicians
0: and singers. When I interviewed Andy a couple months ago, we were talking about how amazing putting a tour together with Evanescence, Hailstorm and Lilith Zarr was. And I've been in rock radio for... 30 years. And so I feel like, you know, at at that time when I got into it, it's like every station had to have one female DJ, and she was usually on the air at night or she was on the air during the day. And when I started getting into like radio programming, I remember so vividly and clearly well, we have a female band on the air right now, so we don't need another one. Like, we're not talking about the the token woman. Yes, and for a long time, I was that token woman, right? And and I remember these, these meetings. And so when I'm having this conversation with Andy, I wrote down some of the quotes because I thought it was really profound. He, especially because he- he's not just in rock himself, but obviously married to a female artist. Um, He said being married to you opened his eyes to the uh, unique struggles and double standards when it came to female artists in the industry, which I thought was really amazing. He said he thinks right now there is a renaissance in rock and roll because the doors have been kicked open and that women in rock right now it's, it's almost gotten to the point where it's not the novelty it once was. And he also yep. said that the level of badassery of the women in rock right now is almost immeasurable. What do you say about about those quotes? Um, I say I married the right man.
1: <laughs> He's uh, Andy... I've been with him for, uh, almost 11 years and yeah, still to this day, his level of intelligence, um, and way manner of speaking, all of it still blo- blows me away. He's an blows amazing guy to interview. Oh, I'm sure. Sh- I mean, yeah. I can't even like, I'm like his, his ability to intelligently like, uh, they exactly what it is he's thinking like and articulate it so well it's it's a it's a gift again god has his favorites right (laughs) that's all i'm gonna say so you know he yeah he he's witnessed firsthand the um um the shit that i've been up against and the you know the the subjugation and the misogyny and the sexism and all of that and just kind of like being um the sore thumb being the um, being treated different because of my gender and all of that. And so he's he has seen it firsthand, you know, over the last 11 years, and understands it as a, as a man, as a husband, as a best friend, as a confidant, like he as a really, fellow really, musician
0: and someone a that's fellow music- in the industry. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And it's something that Again, unless, you know, and I'm sure a lot of, um, most women can relate to this. It's like, unless you're, you know, watching a woman for years go through, um, what she has to go through in order to succeed in any, any field, um, it's very hard to explain. And it's very hard to understand. You couldn't like, you know, you can't, it's very hard to sit with somebody who hasn't seen it firsthand and be like, not sound like you're just complaining, you know or yeah. whining about something it's like no it's <laughs> something you deal with day in and day out all day little subtleties little things to big things to you know to how somebody responds to you versus how they respond to a man it's like it's there it and it builds and builds and builds to the yeah. point where you're just like
0: all right i'm changing my name and my entire brand is going to be about female <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I asked you at the beginning of the interview what you even wanted me to call you, because I think the way that you just kind of, you know, drew that line in the sand and you said, you know what, moving forward, um, this is what I'm doing. Tell me if this is your experience. Um, there are very few rock musicians that have kind of had the career path that you've had. And obviously, as soon as you get into, you know, for pop country or whatever, um, You know, it's okay to have a a tie to like reality shows and competition shows, but for some reason rock were so much more cynical, right? So I talked to Chris Daughtry and who, you know, is one of the only rock artists that I think could probably relate to, to you, you know, having time on The Voice or whatever And he talked about the years after The Voice and the music that he created and all the people that had influence into the songs, the song order on the records, the artwork, the way that the videos looked, like all of it. And the music that he's making now that he's an independent artist. And he said this is the first time that he is fully in control, that the music and everything is his artistic vision. And he's like, I'm at the point where I don't even care if people like it anymore because at least it's me. Yeah. Do you feel that's... that way too? Oh my god! Are
1: you kidding me? Wow, that's so amazing to that I, I didn't know that um, he said that because you know there's not a lot of us that can say, oh, we were on this huge giant singing competition show, um, left it, got completely you know swallowed up by the control factory that is major record labels um, and then spit out the other side survived and can say, you know, now I'm making music. That is totally me and what I want to put out. Not a lot of people can say that. So I love that I have that in common with him because I, I, res- I just respect him so much as a musician. Um, that is something that I can absolutely say, you know, I, I came off that show and even though, you know, on the, on the show it was a classic rock, artist you know they wanted me because I was a woman um they wanted me to do pop it was I came out and the a that I signed with was like you know I just think that women don't really succeed in rock music and it's like one in a million and you know you're really good looking and we just think that you know y- we could just do like edgy pop you could be like you know uh, like an edgier pink. <laughs> 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 the words coming out of my mouth, yeah. when I throw up. So, um, and so nothing against like, yeah. Pink, uh, who's cool. incredibly so talented. No. And- oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? I can't hold a candle to, to Pink. She has She's got some voice. pipes and She's some badassery
0: in- for sure.
1: She's so fucking badass. So, but not a pop artist right. by any means. And so that relationship. It lasted like a year and a half, two years. It spoiled over time because I was just like, I cannot believe like I had songs like, Oh Darling by the Beatles and, you know, James Brown. Um, it's a man's world. You're 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 trying to get me to do pop. But those like went number one on like iTunes and, and like the, it was high on the billboard. Like what, what? Doesn't make any sense. So it was like this conflict for like two years. And I was just like, I'm fucking out, dude. Like, I can't do this. Um, you know, spent a couple of years really trying to, you know, piece my identity back together, you know, cause something's su- such a big brand, you get swallowed up in this giant ocean. And it's like, it's really tough to separate yourself and your, you know, who you are as an artist and your identity from something that's like, you know every every person in the world knows about did it make so, you want to
0: quit it, did you think about quitting at one point oh my god <laughs> yeah every I mean, day more
1: times, than I can, oh, more times than i can count it was just like you know the reason i did the show was because i had spent i don't know from the age of like 15 i'd been touring and it was like i just got to a point where you know five record deals in doing it the hard way, earning my stripes, putting in the, you know, the time in the van and the cars and the RVs and all of that. And like, I had, I had paid my dues. And I was like, why isn't this working for me? (laughs) And then God was like, it's because you're a woman. And I was like, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) so yeah, you know, after the show and after, you know, just fighting with the record label about, what kind of a record we were going to make and all that I was just like okay I need to like find myself again and so I spent a couple years you know making independent music doing crowdfunding um EPs and um I think it was in 2017 I started talking to Sumerian And, um, I was like, this is definitely a home for me. You know, I was looking at the roster and just everything, um, the label has done. And I was like, this, this could be a really great new home. And then I met up with Scott Stevens, who actually does, who works with Daughtry as well. And we started, you know, we just started writing. And the first thing he said to me when I entered his studio was, you don't have a sound. He's like, your voice, you have a, your voice has a sound and you have your own, your own voice. And that's a great place to start. But um, you, we have to hatch what your sound is. And so we spent basically two and a half, three years writing and recording and putting together, created from filth and dust.
0: If you get born as a woman with a voice like ours, (laughs) It's like, you got to do something with, like, this voice doesn't sing. This voice doesn't whisper sweet nothings. It kicks doors in. It's all it does. That's what my voice is, right? And it's like, if I wasn't on the radio, I don't know what else I would do with it. The (laughs) fact that they wanted your voice to be like a pop voice when it's such a rock voice is amazing to me. You know what else he said? He goes, um,
1: he goes, your voice we were arguing over a mix of this song called wild child. And I was, they were trying to remove the electric guitars and they were trying to remove the drums. And he said, my AR said to me, your voice can't be on a song with, with real drums and electric guitar, because it's already, it's already like raspy enough. If, if you have electric guitars, or drums or real bass it becomes a rock song because of your voice and i'm like thinking in my head duh yeah you idiot <laughs> what is what why is that not registering in your
0: brain <laughs> like yeah cuz it's a rock voice yeah it's not a pop voice you I'm not trying know. to that make it insane. sound like this. Like if I if I recorded myself like first thing in the morning, it's almost so low it, you can't understand it. I have to like <laughs> I have to warm it up. I am it's I I completely know what
1: you're talking about. When I wake up in the morning, it's like I just gargled with like a bottle of Jack. Yeah, like I crawled
0: out of a grave literally (laughs) this morning. My insurance guy called, right? And it was first thing in the morning. I'm literally like sipping my first cup of coffee and I answer the phone and he goes, oh my God, did I wake you up? And I was like, no, no, this this is what it sounds like. (laughs) My manager, one of my
1: managers, like she calls me all the time, like first thing in the morning and I'll answer. I'll be like, hello. And she'll be like, hello. And I'll be like, <laughs> that's just my voice in the morning. Like, why? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. It is absolutely, I, I totally know exactly what you're talking about. But yeah, like I, your your voice is so perfectly suited for rock radio. I can't, it's like, it. it's, Absolutely, what that voice was born to do. It's all and it my does. voice was born to sing rock
0: music. Yeah, period. like it just. I would think that after all the years, I mean, you know, my purple hair is is has been my thing for. I mean, it's been purple for thirty years. So. I couldn't get rid of it now. My mo- my own mother wouldn't recognize me without it. You would think that that would be what people at the supermarket would go, is that Mistress Carrie? And no, no, no. Every time they hear my voice or they hear me laugh, which I have the most annoying cackle on the planet. Oh my like, gosh, me too. And they're like, oh, that's <laughs> like, Mistress Carrie? And I'm like, you didn't know it was me because my hair is bright purple? And they were like, no, I heard the voice because nobody sounds like that because it sounds like you've been gargling glass since puberty. <laughs>
1: That's so. I say gargling um uh
0: uh concrete. Yeah, battery acid. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I'm just sitting around ripping butts with no filters on them. Just like, <laughs> and I don't even smoke. That's so funny. I, I mean, yeah, In some people are just born and that's with. It. Yeah, it's just what you get.
1: Yeah, I used to hate my the sound of my like voice, and it it was Andy who was like, you have like a traditional rock and roll sounding voice. And I'm like, what? Like, I can't,
0: I have a hard time listening to my own voice without being like, am I dying? (laughs) (laughs) Like, but do you think somebody like Janis Joplin or Joan Jett, the women we were talking about, like, They were not going to be self-conscious. I mean, maybe they were, and we just didn't know. But, like, I have a hard time imagining Joan. They didn't have the the opportunity to be self-conscious.
1: They didn't have to take selfies or take videos of themselves or post themselves every day on social media or really have to. I mean, unless they got a hold of some interview,
0: I'm sure they weren't really having to see and hear themselves as often as we have. And I would like to think Janis Joplin and Joan Jett don't give a fuck. I mean, they don't. Like, when I met Joan Jett, I met her, I, I had just started interning at WAF, which was the radio station that I was at for 29 years. She was the first rock star I ever met, like, in person in the halls of a radio station, she walks in in leather pants, a wife beater, no bra, not given a fuck. And all I could think about was, A, holy shit, that's Joan Jett, and B, she's so short. like <laughs> She's a very petite woman. She is. Very petite. But she um, walked into that place like she fucking built it and owned it. Like, that's just how she is. And I was like, that was a defining, because I was 18 years old, right? And now I'm meeting Joan Jett, and I was like, wow, th- this woman just walked in and owned the place in this room full of dudes. Like she just walked in and was like, what? That's, I mean, I find that people who are the most confident
1: um, are the people who fully, well, they know who they are, but they have like, for me, my, like my confidence, when I find I'm the most confident is when like I am doing like, you know, playing guitar, singing, something that I fully understand, something that I know I'm fucking good at like that. So that kind of confidence, somebody like Joan Jett songwriting, guitar, playing, uh, as a performer, I, she, I just, she fully knows who she is. She fully understands, you know, rock music and, 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 singing and performing and so like yeah of course she walks in like she fucking owns the place because she's a she's the shit yeah you know that's so yeah i mean like of course that's just god god i would have killed the known joe jet when i was (laughs) eighteen. i didn't know (laughs) her i just met her in the hall and i was like oh my god yeah
0: like and and when the me too movement really kicked in Because I've worked in rock radio so long, I had so many people reach out to me and they're like, oh, I can only imagine your stories. And what was really hard for me was that um, I really didn't have a lot of issues coming up in my career because, like I said, they there was always that token chick role, right? And I yeah. was fortunate enough that, that I was able to get that role, that, oh, I, I was the one woman that got in the door, and unfortunately, the other ones behind me, it was like, well, we already have Carrie, so we don't need... But what the, the one thing that I did, you know, start talking about is that it wasn't so much that I was female, but I started getting whispers, weird conversations um, as I got older, And I actually had a boss say to me once, how much longer do you think you can be Mistress Carrie? And I, I just, I I just looked at this old, almost 70 year old fucking guy who's my boss and like wanting to smash his face into the fucking vending machine, but knowing I can't. And trying to figure out how you answer that question and not get fired, but at the same time. So I I asked if he had asked one of the guys on the morning show that question, who oh. who is 10 years older than me and and was like, you know, known for he was like the man child of the show. Right. And I was like, well, did you ask him that that question? Like, like, this is me. Like, this is. Yeah, this is this That's is so me. Dangerous. I I would look like this and listen to the music I listen to and live the lifestyle and have the tattoos and the Harley and all that, whether I was a barista at Starbucks or on this radio station. And so I find it very interesting to go back to what you and I were talking about, that as this renaissance, as Andy called it, of women in rock, it's interesting that then there's like this, but are are you going to be too old? And it's like, ask fucking Joan Jett that. Oh, my God. Well, first of all, no wonder. I mean, like the whole concept
1: of um, being the token woman is one of the reasons why women for so long um, didn't really support each other. Yeah, 100 percent.
0: Because, because this competition was yes. created by men. Yeah. And there's six now dogs in the pen in one stake. Here's the one stake. You guys fight over it. Really fucked up the whole. I, the, I mean, I, that's something I've been dealing
1: with my entire career is pinning me against another woman. Like, it's just so fucked up. Um, but you know, now that that kind of that gate and that door has been kicked open and women are, um, realizing that that's just a, uh, man-made rule that's been put into pl- that we can choose to disagree with. That's, that, that's what I've noticed with women supporting women is that them understanding no bitch we can all fucking succeed so that's that's what i have to say about that and that's something that i've very much recognized in the rock community specifically is the female support i've received since entering into active rock and this whole like hard rock um universe is the women have each other's backs through and through it's it's and and look at what's happening women are taking over this scene it's fucking phenomenal what what can happen when women all you know hold and it's not a hands.
0: man-hating thing either no
1: it's not a man-hating thing no but it's also it, it's like rock doesn't know rock doesn't, to me rock doesn't know age it doesn't know looks it doesn't know religion it doesn't know race it doesn't it has no bias or, um so the idea, like, of your boss coming to you, <laughs> you, who for, who's a fucking who's been on the known, air for not, twenty on there for fucking years, years, iconic radio host, and saying to you, I cannot
0: trust me. Does he not know the rules in this? This oh what? Yeah, and and I, I joke all the time. I'm so glad you called him out for that. I'm so glad that it, you did. But I, That's just fucked up. I, I have that guilt, though, where I feel like I should have been more. Now that the radio station, because it was WAF in Boston, so as of last February, went off the air after 50 years, and we all got laid off a couple weeks before COVID, which totally sucked. And reinventing so everything and, you know, uh, building my own studio getting back on the radio in a bunch of stations around the country launching my podcast so I can have these a place for these long form amazing conversations that I've always wanted to have um, mm-hmm. I have joked many times since I started my own company that when I cash my first million dollar check that motherfucker's the first one I'm calling and and I just <laughs> be like ha 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 because it I, I don't know if this is I think women like us are all cut from the same cloth. Tell me if I'm wrong. I feel like I need that guy to get me mad because the anger motivates me to work harder and be better. Are you that way? Are you kidding me? That, that's what Lilith was born out of. It,
1: 100%. Do you know how many, how many instances and stories and men I've, Filed away in my brain cabinet. I have a folder, I'm not even kidding, in my mind where I go, oh, okay, well, I'm going to just take that shitty thing that you just did. I'm going to file it away for later.
0: I'm going to pull it back out when I need it. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. 100%. I yeah, wish I wasn't so motivated by the word no. Like I wish that I didn't need There are some people that can get inspired and and want the world to be nice and for some reason I'm that person that needs to be told nope, it's impossible, you can't do it. Uh-uh. And then I go Oh my god. Oh, okay. Now I'm going to do it now just to fucking shove it up your ass. But why do I need yeah. to be told that to get motivated? Because revenge is <laughs> sweet, baby. Yes. That's why. Yes, it's so <laughs> That's true. why.
1: 100% my bit, one of my biggest motivating factors is being told you can't do that. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh really? <laughs> Watch me.
0: <laughs> Watch me, bitch. Hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hold these. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's uh, So, and that's the, that's the crazy thing, right? So we're having a very serious conversation about, about the, the struggles that women have had in rock and the amazing, Um, leaps and bounds that have been made, and the granite shoulders we all stand on, right? You know, I'm standing on Carol Miller's shoulders and so many amazing women in rock shoulders that were there in radio and, you know. And yet at the same time, are we supposed to feel grateful for the shitty treatment? Because that is what, in fact, motivated us to be better. That's I know, I know. It's like,
1: it's it is a... It's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. You know, Um, I think in general, um, women are lionesses. And I think that when you can rise above the, um, you know, whatever counter you're you're, uh, up against, anything that's like pushing you, I think people... that can go, you know what, fuck you, fuck that, watch me, and can rise above that, you know, more power to them. I mean, I feel like, I, I mean, for me, I just feel like life is a, is a game, and no matter your gender or, you know, what you're, no, no matter who you are, race, sex, all of that, I feel like when presented with problems, our natural instinct is to solve them and being told no and like, you can't do this. It's just another problem. And we, you know, as humans go, okay,
0: well, how am I going to solve it? It's come up so many times on the show, especially since COVID, right? Um, the adversity that everyone has had to go through. It's not just um, the, the music and entertainment industry, but just the world has struggled. And especially with, when you're talking about <clears throat> struggles with women, uh, struggles with race, um, the inclusion. I've said this so many times on the show, it is kind of crazy that rock is kind of showing everyone else that we can create this place where you leave whatever it is, for the most part, political, like, all that stuff, leave it at the door because once you're inside, we're all there for this common thing. We're all there yeah. for the love of the music and to experience this thing at the same time. It's like rock music is this example of this utopian society in a way because once you're inside that that show, that that concert... A- everything is equal because we just yeah. want to love the music. Absolutely.
1: It's, it's absolutely the most unjudgmental genre of music. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, you know, for me, rock is, it's a, it's a lifestyle.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. It really is. Yeah.
1: And it's, um, to be a, at least, I, I mean, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like to be a rock musician or to be a rock, um, you know, uh, listener or um, whatever, it, it's kind of like, uh, it's,
0: you, you have to kind of earn it. Yeah. And rock fans can sniff out a fake. Oh, well, <laughs> which is why I think going back to like talking about the voice, like, like when you're, you know, you've got either these reality shows telling you what rock is or how many times have we seen like an actor or somebody that's like, I'm going to release a rock record. Cause I learned how to play guitar. And like, there's certain ones that are. Don't like, get me fucking started. Like, oh God. What's
1: going on in music right now with people. Certain, I'm not going to name a new name. Cause I don't want to get fucking, you know, ripped apart but there's just a certain certain you know pop musicians being like i'm gonna make a rock record now i'm like well you know what you can't fucking call yourself a rock star i know those internet. tattoos don't you, come off honey no yeah you didn't travel in cars and vans and sleep at fans houses and have you know cup of noodles that you had to like be like well will have half of it today and half of it tomorrow like you it's a you can't do that you don't get to succeed in to become a fucking quadruple billionaire or whatever in
0: pop music and then decide that you're going to do rock music. Yeah, the struggle's not there. Rock is the voice of the struggle, of the people. Yeah. You've got to have that level of struggle. But that's also what makes the relationship with the fans last forever. Forever.
1: It's such a loyal genre of music. I mean, it's totally, you're not wrong. Rock music is healing um it's comforting it's a hand to hold it's a hug it's tears it's medicine it's therapy it's all of, the soundtrack and it's like, to
0: all your good times too all the amazing yeah, oh, memories like, oh my yes. absolutely i mean it is again comes part of
1: your dna yeah and i think that you know that's a reason why um you know, people hold on to it forever, and why we're all so, um, why we, as like a group, get along so well is because we have this commonality that is something that makes up a big part of our lives. Yeah, and because we have that, you know, similar um, affinity and love for something, it just makes us go, "Oh, you're my people." Yeah, you're, you're, exa- you're like, I people. don't
0: want to fight with you, except like we'll get into a debate about which guitar player's better or yeah. whether or not rubber soul is good. Yeah. Or not. Like That's the extent of the arguments. I we... hate rubber Soul. <laughs> but that's like the extent of the arguments that rock fans want to get into with each other is, is frivolous like arguments, you know, Sammy or Dave, like the ooh, yeah. big debate.
1: <laughs> Precisely things that, We will not, it won't end, hopefully it doesn't end in a fist fight.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) That's so funny.
0: Um, (laughs) I ask songwriters this when they come on the show and I'm really curious to hear your answer. Um, I got to credit the guys from Royal Blood that I had on the show um, because they were the first guys and the the question just kind of came out and then I was like, I need to ask every songwriter this question because the answers are amazing. This is a songwriter's question. Give me an example or two of a song that, as a songwriter, you covet—that it's such a pure example of perfect songwriting. You wish you wrote it, but break it down as a songwriter as to why it's such good songwriting. And I don't care the genre, the artist. Oh my god! And it, it's hard because we all love music so much. Oh my gosh! I mean, it's hard too because so many songs
1: that I wish I wrote. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, oh my god! This question. I know. I'm. Okay. I know it's a hard question, no. but, but. Okay. I
1: love the well, we've been, ta- we've been talking about the Beatles a lot, so. Hey Jude, or while my guitar gently weeps. Oh.
0: Oh. Okay. Well, okay. And well, first hey, of all, it's like different songwriters too,
1: right? Like, oh, I know you've got Lennon and you've got McCartney. Um, well, isn't that Harrison? Isn't while like my guitar Har- that's Harrison? While my guitar gently weeps was George. Yes, that's what I mean. George. Oh my God. Well, I mean, oh, that's right. It was yesterday that I was thinking oh, for yeah. McCartney. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm like. Question has thrown my um, my musical history knowledge for a loop. <laughs> um, well, I'll say this. Jude. the dynamic from starting, you know, just with piano and just that, I instantly that iconic melody, hey, Jude, don't be afraid. You would never know that that goes to where it goes to at the end where it's just become this ah, like all this bluesy yelling and like the, 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 like that starting from here and just escalating to this explosion at the end is like a, a songwriters, um, like what dream? Yeah. That, I, I mean, Anybody who's a songwriter that's listening to this right now, I, I would have to call them out if they did not admit that when you're writing a song, you don't want to end with na, 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 And then like having this like canon of, um, melodies and, and different lyrics and stuff going throughout. It's just like, that's to me, the best way to end a song is different melodies over different melodies with different lyrics. And just an explosion of, like, you know, a choir of people shouting behind you. It's, like, the most epic way to
0: end a song. So that's my breakdown for Hey Jude. Did you say two songs? Look, well, as many as you want to give me, it's just such a fascinating question. I
1: it think is.
0: because I'm not a songwriter. And so songwriters are going to pick it apart differently, the way that a chef would pick apart a meal differently, because you're just going to look at it differently. Yeah. Yeah, I
1: mean, think of one more. Well, Stairway to Heaven. (laughs) Um,
0: Oh gosh! Yeah, because it's different than just the lyrics. It's like you could you could argue guitar tones and stuff, but it's the actual. That's exactly my brain is right now. My brain is going through uh, lyrics,
1: melody, and and like leads.
0: The guys from Royal mm. Blood gave me the answer of We Will Rock You from Queen. Oh, my God. I was just going to bring up Freddie Mercury. I was just going to bring up Queen. Because they I cited mean- the simplicity of it. And so many artists have said that the best crafted songs are the simple ones that every other songwriter goes, well, I could have fucking written that. But you didn't. Because you yeah. didn't think of well, it.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's
0: if you go
1: back through out rock history some of the biggest songs in rock are three or four chords and a lot of them are the same chords as each other <laughs> like there's a lot there is a formula it's just being able to um it's just being able to to water it and pull out the the you know the best melody you can from that you know, that that lives in that chord progression or, you know, writing something that everybody can connect with. The genius thing about um, We Will Rock You was that they included the audience. Well, hey, Jude does that too. Exactly. Exactly. And so like, and that's, I I mean, me as a music fan, I'm sure you do the same thing too. I mean, I, all the time listening to music, I'll look at myself in the mirror and I'll be singing fucking whatever, Freddie or Janice or whoever. And like, I want to feel like I'm contributing to it. Like it's also my song. If I also, you know, like you want to feel very, very, very connected with it. And so this, the brilliant thing about We Will Rock You was that their whole intention behind that song was to get the, to give the audience something to do. To participate and we want to
0: be involved in the like that's why we're all there. That's we're we're matriculating to the Borg at that point. It's like we all yeah. want to be attached in that moment into something.
1: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. That's um what a great I can't even beat that. There's no way I could beat
0: that. Like any musician that goes up on stage, if you went up. And just grabbed the mic and said "na na na," everyone in the crowd would go
1: "na na 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 na," nah, nah. like oh, one hundred. I mean, that
0: was but
1: Freddie was like that was, was so brilliant with audience participation. Oh yeah, and getting yet. I mean, it, the whole concept was so. I mean. There, there's no still to this day. I don't know anybody better
0: who was better at it. That's the thing. We you can know? get into one of those rock and roll arguments about greatest front man, but normally, pretty often, Freddie Mercury, if he's not number well, one, yeah. he's going to be top three. I mean, oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I
1: probably watched their, their live aid um, oh. performance over you know 50 times
0: probably and not I, as many as Rami Malek cuz he had to memorize it <laughs> oh my god dude he did such a good job i know oh my god Roger Taylor came out recently because Sasha Baron Cohen was supposed to be cast in that role originally yeah blo- mind blowing i know and and Roger Taylor was basically like he's not that good of an actor he's too tall like just imagine Borat no. as Freddy I know. No, you
1: would never take it seriously. You'd just the entire time be going, my life. (laughs) 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 No.
0: I know. God. I'm so happy they 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 fixed that. (laughs) I know. Well, I Um, am I am so happy that I got to talk to you. Everybody that I know that knows you was like, oh, wait till you talk to her, you're gonna love her. And they were totally right. Oh, man. Thank you so much, Carrie. That's so nice. That makes me feel so good. I am awesome. No, <laughs> Created from Filth and Dust is the record oh. that's out. And uh, January 20th. Well, in January, you're going to be making up the Evanescence Hailstorm Lilith Czar dates that you guys had to postpone. Yeah. Oh, and my God. Then- what a summer. And then the big gig at the end of April with Godsmack, Three Days Grace, Blackville Brides. That show was supposed to be the 50th anniversary party for my old radio station. And before, and then then the station got taken off the air and COVID hit and the show's been postponed. So this is the farewell of WAF two years after we went off the air by the time wow. you're in Wow. Yeah, so it's going to be, um, so I'm going to be there to host it. It's going to be... Um, it's going to be a, a, a happy and sad night because the arena will be filled with, you know, people that grew up listening to this iconic rock station that went off the air last year and, oh yeah, it sucked. I was on the air at the very end. It was terrible. It was like putting a dog down. Like you don't want to do it, but you want to be the one in the room. Kind of like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine, um, you know, how hard that must
0: have been. Um, man, fucking COVID. Because, well, it wasn't even COVID. It, we went off the air a few weeks before COVID hit, but it's, oh. it's one of those things that those, these iconic rock stations, like, they're, they're going away slowly. And the good thing about the rock community is that we're, we're still finding ways to connect, which is why I launched my podcast, you know, oh, so many episodes ago, was to be yeah. able to have this rock community still have a place that's like ours. It's like we're going back underground a little bit, which is kind of cool in a way. No, for sure. I mean, I think that um,
1: I find that the music industry, or, or you know, music genres in general, are very cyclical. Yep. And and I I mean, what I'm what I'm witnessing, at least for me, is that like the same sort of the same sort of thing that I saw back in like you know the '90s with rock music and it becoming um, Very mainstream. I I feel like um, as much as Gen Zs drive me insane, uh, (laughs) I think that you know they're discovering um, a beautiful world that we that you and I have grown up in. And and Gen Xers took a lot of shit
0: back in the day, and we've proven to be quite resilient as a generation. The Gen Xers, yeah, absolutely. And I think that rock music,
1: um, the reason it's never gone gone away is because um, it never, you know, or what, people are always like, oh, rock is dead. No. It's No, never, it's no. been alive. It's been the, it's the longest lasting genre of music. It has, it has survived everything and continues to survive and continues to thrive because it is the greatest genre of music, in my opinion.
0: It's just going to reinvent itself. And that process of reinvention is scary. And, and you got to, sometimes you, you got to, like die to be something else. Like you, you're not going to be the same thing. You know, the caterpillar kind of concept or whatever. It's like, it's, yeah,
1: absolutely. You got it. Absolutely. I mean, you've got to, um, and you have to reinvent yourself. And I think that's what real artists and real rock artists do constantly is, um, uh, they redefine themselves and reinvent themselves over and over. And it's a forever continuous creation. And that's what's so wonderful about rock music is it's ever creating.
0: Well, this is the first time that I have done an interview where the person was in their spouse's childhood bedroom, <laughs> which I have to say out loud has been something that's popped in and out of my head a few times while you I have been talking. Because I'm like, wow, they, they definitely renovated it since he lived in there. Oh, because it's- Oh, no, no, it's totally different. I mean, the one remaining thing... We've
1: still got Alkaline Trio on the wall. I'm seeing if there's anything else. No, it's been like redone because I remember the first time I saw this room in 2011, I think it was. Oh my God, this is, I can't believe I'm admitting this. Okay, so we walked in. Here and I was like, you know, we, I, we walked in and it was very different. Posters and shit fucking everywhere. Total teenage boys room. And like Andy and I, well, I'm am a few years older than he is. So he, we come in here, and I was like, looking at the bands, looking at the bands on the walls, and I'm like, oh, these are kind of modern bands. And I was like, um, how old are you?
0: <laughs> I'm a few years older than I my husband like, too. I was like, did you? uh love you? <laughs> Can I see your ID? <laughs> I just want to confirm because I'm a little nervous. Uh, yeah. And so it was, it
1: worked. It's fine. It, it clearly worked out. Um, but um, there's something to be said by the way, about having um, younger. It says something about them. Yeah. Like Andy, when I met Andy, it was like, 20, or are you an 80 year old man? Because <laughs> he's so wise, yeah. so smart, so wise, yeah. very, very ahead of his body, very ahead of his, you know, his body age. So, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it does now it's, say, it's, it's definitely more adult. And-
0: it does say something about, you know, the guy that wants to have that. Because I'm, I'm five years older than my husband, and who, mm-hmm. by the way, is a country music fan. Yeah. I oh, I know. No. Can we just process that for a second? Like like grew but up. But like what kind of like he, like modern No, he he's into like the outlaw stuff. Like he loves Johnny Cash. Okay. And like, oh. like his his experience with rock music is like A C D C. Like that's his so like when he and I started dating we didn't grow up in the same state. So he didn't grow up. Like he didn't listen to the radio station I worked at. He didn't know what I did for a living. Like it was like a blind date scenario.
1: And when we started
0: dating and stuff, he was like, well, you know, well, like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, you know, like what you do for work and stuff. So I was like, okay, um, the radio stations (laughs) presenting Metallica at the football stadium, So I'm going to take you, and I got to interview James Hetfield backstage at the show, and then I'm going to introduce the band on stage in front of 70,000 people, and you're going to come with me, and you can see what I mean. Oh, my God. And he was like, who's James Hetfield? No. Oh, my God. And I was like, the
1: fuck? Because... I can't... He... I mean...
0: First of all, he's a Marine, so how he made it through, you know, two decades of war as a Marine and didn't know who Metallica was, I still haven't been able to do that archaeological dig. I I, like, seriously, I commend you because I
1: think this is why none of my relationships ever worked out in the past, because I could not, I I couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I Like with boyfriends and stuff like that, I was just like, oh my God, what do you mean you don't know this or that or this song or this artist or like having to like them be so fascinated with like my electric guitars and like, just like, I was just like, I don't have anything in common. I don't have anything in common with you. And that like to, to, to take the time. To show, to be as patient, like, that's something I just don't have. So I, I don't have it tremendously either. tremendously
0: for that. And the thing is, is like, the I found it refreshing because he didn't want to pepper me because he wasn't a rock fan. So he wasn't asking mm. me, what does James Hetfield smell like? Oh, and what that's a really. So for me, it was, it was something that was like, okay, you look at this as what I do for a living and you respect my career and you understand that there's hard work that goes into it and all of that. But he's not like so fixated on it that it's why he loves me. Which, which was a really interesting thing for me. Oh, absolutely.
1: I mean, that's kind of like along the same lines as is why I think Andy and it worked out so well for me and Andy because because he didn't he he wasn't like, you know, who do you know? But who have you been on tour with? You know what is this like? What is, yeah. he just under he it. I think that we there was a comfort, yeah, in knowing that the other one wasn't. There was no secret mo or like, you know, there what you know you. He didn't care who I knew or who I'd been on tour with or who I was friends with or whatever it is that I have done in my career and vice versa. Well, you want to be
0: able to lay in bed with your gross guitar hand rubbing his head, right? (laughs) Let me touch you. And, like, have no makeup on and have your hair up and be in sweatpants. And it's like, if the person's with you because of what you do, because of the lipstick, because of the stage persona, because of, like, all of that, like, those things can all go away. I mean. Oh, like 100%. And then what's left
1: Oh, no. I mean, I, I could not agree more. I mean, that's never that's a never a recipe for a successful relationship yeah. ever, 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 ever. And that's like, you know, I think that's why Andy and I tell each other all the time how lucky we are, because we see it all the time. Yeah. We see it with our friends and bands and musicians and we see the you know who they start to date. And and we're like, well, I have a, uh, yeah, was, just so you know, I'm, I'm picking up a little, yeah, like it's, so we're, we say it to each other all the time how lucky we are that um, we found a, a partner that
0: doesn't give a shit yeah. who they are. <laughs> and the thing is, like, when you guys get to tour together, it's great, right? But yeah. then there's going to oh, be times sure. where you guys are crisscrossing tours and not able to, like, see each other, and, like, my husband's been deployed for the last 15 and a half months. I haven't, like, he's been gone, so, I mean, are you? Oh, my God. Yeah. I thought it was bad. I'm going on. I'm going on three months. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it. this is his. So, I, I mean, obviously, I knew what I was getting into. We just got married last year in the middle of COVID. We were together. Oh, my for gosh. Years. Congratulations. We got married in the driveway in the middle of a pandemic. And that's like, so romantic. We had everybody. It was really sweet. Like we had everybody. um We had everybody like sectioned off in like lawn chair pods because of COVID, you know? And we ordered pizza and delivered like pizza and bottles of champagne and like everybody just kind of stayed away and we got married in the front yard because he was getting ready to deploy. And it was like, Well, there's a pandemic and we can't have a big dumb wedding, so this is what we can do. And Oh, are you kidding me? That doesn't matter. That's so romantic. Yeah, it was I mean it was awesome. And he's this sorry, I cut you off. This is this is his third deployment just since we've been together. So it's like, uh, we've just, it's, you know, some people are like, I don't know how you can handle like the distance and the separation, but with you and Andy, same thing with me and my husband, like you, it, it's part, it's part of the gig. Like, it's just part of what you do. Yeah. I mean, you get, you definitely get used to it. Yeah. Like, you know, we're both such
1: independent people that like, it's, we're able to deal with it. And like, yeah. I'm, you know, now he goes and I'm like, okay, cool. house to myself? Yeah. Like, it's like, it's like, you know, you get, you figure out how to keep your mind occupied, how to stay busy. And you, you know, you've learned, especially over the years. And I'm sure for you too, you learn to cope with
0: that distance. Um, and then you don't have to feel sucks, guilty but... for like when you work late because they're not home, like waiting for you. So like for me, know. Oh, like if I would just want to like lock myself in the studio and edit for 12 hours, like, I'm not like, oh, I should go upstairs because, you know, like, it's like, okay, well, yeah. he's not even here, so I'm just going to work and be able to get Yeah, you're able done. to
1: be, like, super selfish, which is, yeah. like, in my opinion, everybody needs to have that, like, boundary, whoever you're with, um, of
0: selfishness. Yeah, to, like, but then to it's, it's nice when he's and home need- and then I can shut everything else off and be like, okay, now we're just going to be, like we're going to have such quality time. Like, I'm going to climb inside your underwear and, like, leave there for a month. I know. I'm going to just curl up into your (laughs) armpit with just and just smell it. You don't mind if I borrow into your abdominal cavity, do you? Because I just want to hang out there and nap. Is that cool? (laughs) That's so fucking funny. Andy and I talk about it all
1: the time, how, like, we can't get close enough. Yeah. Like, I'll be like, I just want to climb inside your skin. Yeah. And he's like... And I want you inside my skin. And it's it, so disgusting. That's but a so rock romantic. thing because
0: only rock people would be like, "Oh, I totally get it." Everyone else is like, "Oh my god, that's oh horrible!" God, you guys I, are fucking serial killers. And you're like, yeah, I would absolutely eat him. <laughs> Plus, I had to marry him because he he bought me um, black diamond skull engagement oh. rings and oh, rings. So I'm like, god. I gotta lock that shit down. Oh, he's a rock. Dude, that guy's a rock music lover. He just
1: don't know it yet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that at some point, like maybe for the big gig at the end of April when he's home, that I'll be able to bring him to the show, which would be great. That'd be, that'd be fucking awesome. Yeah. That would be so awesome. Also, so romantic how you guys got married. Yeah. I mean, so so romantic. We could Andy do a and I double date. You and Andy will be together at the at the show because oh. you're playing that show together. And if I can yeah. bring my husband there, we can like. Oh my god, that would be amazing! Yeah, that would be I, nice. would, lo- I would love that so much. Although please, that might please, be, be like, like Ghostbusters, happen. crossing of the streams, where if all four of us were in the same place, it might open up a hole to another dimension. There, a black hole just might start circling, and it just sucks us out into this other
1: alternate universe. Yeah. Where- covid never existed um <laughs> yeah. i'm watching um uh, god dark show on netflix no. anyways i don't, I don't want to give anything away but it's like
0: about it's about like time travel and like black holes and different dimensions and stuff I, like that i have binged every um pandemic end of the world. Like, I don't know why I'm rewatching the walking dead right now. It's like, I need to punish myself. I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? But I'm rewatching it all right now. And I'm like, living through this pandemic going, are people going to start turning into zombies? Like, is that, <laughs> I just want to be ready. It's like a training manual.
1: Dude. I mean, when we, when the pandemic started, why I think, I think the entire world was like, well, we may yeah. as well do some research and be entertained at the same time. So, like, I we watched all of the end-of-the-world movies. And, yeah. like, we I was like, maybe. Outbreak, maybe World War Z. Like, I'm watching yeah, all like, of them. Yeah, maybe this is where we all die or turn into, you know, we eat, brain-eating eat, fucking scab blood monsters. Like, I don't know. Like,
0: maybe this is it. And I've been it a doomsday happen. prepper for years, and when COVID hit, All of a sudden, no one thought I was crazy anymore. And they were like, what should I be stockpiling in the basement right now? You're like, oh, oh, now you want to be my friend. Yeah. Oh, now you get it. (laughs) Oh, okay. And they're like, I'll just come to your house. And I'm like, "Nope, no, not invited.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'll just come to your house and just, you know,
1: notes and pictures of everything you stocked up on. So I know what to do. (laughs) Dude, when, when fucking COVID hit, we, Andy and I were like, I remember going to the first, like, you know, grocery store, Target, whatever. I could not believe
0: empty. It was like... The toilet paper thing threw me for a loop. Oh, I was, oh my like, I'm like, you motherfuckers, that's what you're going to be worried about is what you're wiping your ass with? Like, no. you should be worried Dude, well, about the food. Oh, well, you know what? I was so proud of us. Okay, so Annie and I are like
1: exclusively um, disposable wipes people. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Military just, just, thing. I, baby I, wipes is life. Yeah. Baby wipes is life for sure. So like at the beginning of the pandemic, everybody's stocking up on toilet paper Andy and, her are like, <laughs> and the <laughs> shelves nobody, no, are nobody full thought about of
0: wipes. They're full of wipes. There were wipes everywhere. And I'm going, you guys I think know. you're going to have water go for the wipes. And they take up less room. Like it doesn't make any I sense. Know. I And you need less of it. Yes. So, I know. So we
1: were like, everybody was like, we
0: need toilet paper. And we're like. Metric fuck ton clean, clean of baby wipes. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. And he's going to listen to this interview and be horrified. Sorry, I Andy. Know. He's going to be
1: horrified that I got the while my guitar gently weeps Harrison shit wrong. <laughs> that was a total brain fart. Anybody listening to this, I did not fuck that up. I was thrown for a loop because of the question. I apologize. It's okay. It's okay.
0: It's a really good question. Yeah. I mean, it's. Yeah. I hope nobody steals it from me because I've been asking that question now. And the list, like the, the responses and the breakdown, like Brent Smith from Shinedown broke down Black Hole Sun. Broke it down because he knows the guy that produced the record and he knows how the producer got Chris Cornell to write that song. And like, I mean, I'll just tell you quickly, he he went to Tower Records in L.A. and he bought every um, Frank Sinatra record. And he brought it to the studio and. And told Chris Cornell to go home and listen to Sinatra. And he did that for like two weeks and he came back with Black Hole Sun. Like, that's why this question okay. is so good because it comes from that craft place. Right. Okay, I have one more song then. For okay, you. good. David Bowie's Life on Mars.
1: Oof. Do you know how that song was conceived? No, but okay. I'm 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 here for it. So it was okay. So Sinatra. Wait, Frank Sinatra and what? I didn't hear you. My way. Yep. Okay. So that song before.
0: Before.
1: So that song was brought to David Bowie to sing. My way and was. Yes. And it's like, he, it was brought to him to do something with and they they pulled it from him. And so Life on Mars is actually a fuck you song because if because it's the same chord progression. It, he got so angry that they took that song from him that he wrote Life on Mars.
0: Wait, so so before Sinatra recorded it, he was going to record it or they I, wanted him to cover it. It was like a, it was some sort of, maybe for a movie or
1: something. It was, I have to go back through to get the, the exact, um. We can uh, Google,
0: we're master Googlers over here, we'll figure uh, it out. Yeah, I'm a Google doctor at this point.
1: Um, he, yeah, so his, his fuck you and like,
0: um, show you
1: how much you fucked up was writing Life on Mars.
0: See Which, now we. How many times do we cite the Beatles in, in rock and roll as inspiration? Now, this is the second time Sinatra has come up on the show as being instrumental in inspiring a, a, an iconic rock song. I mean, he was like kind of one of the first. Like, I mean, I know the music, not.
1: But like, he was a fucking rock star, man. Oh, he, was, he didn't give a fuck. Smoke, drank, sang, total. Like, I mean, his lifestyle was very rock and roll. Yeah. You know? And, so, and nobody I mean, at the time was more surprising. famous.
0: Like, he was like, for the level of yeah. fame you could achieve without the there internet. Was like, without... There was like
1: three famous people, and he was one of them.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: exactly. So, yeah, I mean, if, I, I can see why a lot of uh, stuff stems back to him.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why I yeah. love I love songwriters breaking down songwriting inspiration and, and songs that they love so much because... It it is kind of like a Lego block thing, right? Where you where you can see how the songs get crafted and put together, and and the inspiration behind it, and how they recorded it. And um, I talked to Toby Wright, the record producer, and mm-hmm. he told me that if you go and listen to, because um, he produced "Follow the Leader," so if you go back and listen to "Got the Life," that weird guitar thing at the beginning, that round was a practice amp recorded through a fan that they like a like a an oscillating fan in the studio oh my god and like and so, hearing it for, because that was his idea as the producer, and he was like, just bear with me. I want to, I'm going to put a microphone and I want to put the amp on one side of the fan and I'm going to put the mic on the other side of the fan. And they crank the fan up because every kid has done that whole thing where they yell into a fan and it makes weird things with your voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen yeah. to the beginning of Got the Life. That is the guitar part recorded through an That's oscillating how fan. How they did that. Yes. Yeah, it's like, I love That's stories like this. It's so cool. Well, yeah,
1: I mean, but, like, also... God, man, back in the day when they used to record the tape, it was, like... The shit that they had to do in order to achieve what we can now with the press push of a button yeah. is, like... Like, no one... I mean, the reason why there were so many less, you know, musicians back in the day and, like, is because it was... it. You had to be really fucking skilled. You had to really know what you were doing. I mean, like, take fucking even edge of 17 that that was recorded live in the room with all of the singers and the band and stevie singing the whole thing that's why i when we went because i covered that for uh created from filth and dust i told scott i was like let's i mean i know we're not recording the tape but let's at least you know stevie you know justice and let's sing the song from start to finish and we'll pick our favorite take we'll do three takes we'll pick our favorite take and that'll be it and like that's like that's the level that of skill and talent you had to have back in the day was shit like <laughs> Well, thinking of things like, well, we're going to through this to
0: get this kind of crazy effect, which now you can easily do with like going like, thank, thank blink. Well, that's how Miles and Slash recorded their new record. They recorded it live in the studio, which I'm loving that rock bands are starting to do that old school stuff because I feel, and this is what Miles said, you can hear the difference. That it sounds oh. so much more raw and leave the mistakes in there. Leave them in there. Like... Like, Tyler Connolly, literally from Theory of a Dead Man, just was talking about A Day in the Life. That was his pick for the songwriting question. And he said he listened to it in one of the recording studios at Abbey Road. Where it was recorded, because they got a tour, and they were asked, what song do you want to listen to? And he said, A Day in the Life. They cranked it up at the end, listened to the hiss, and at the very end of A Day in the Life, somebody turns in their chair, and their chair squeaks, and someone goes, shh. And it's still on the record now. Oh, my God. Yeah. I love That's stuff so like that. Fucking record. And Andrew well, we 17 yeah. is Diamante's pick. That's the song she picked that she wished oh, she wrote. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I
1: mean, that, I mean, clearly I wish I wrote it. I put it on my album. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love Diamante, by the way. I just want to say that really quickly. She's fucking awesome. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, we, we tried to keep a few of those, like, kind of uh, raw, real moments in the yeah. record as well in in king where i say the line who's to say a woman can't think with her dick the laugh the laugh that, that happens after that line was me really laughing it was the first take that we picked and that laugh was me really like you know which heckle laughing because i can't believe we're singing this fucking line so if you listen to that you'll hear the laugh is is uh uh, a real laugh. And then same with, um, uh, in my head, I have a a line that says, um, uh, I serve killer cereal in a basket case. You'll want to medicate the crazy away. Just wait a second till I hear what the voice, till you hear what the voices say. And I was laughing while I was singing that line because it was just so like, People are going to think I'm fucking Jeffrey Dahmer, and so I was laughing while I was singing, and we kept we kept that tape. Yeah, because it was
0: like. But that's what makes rock and roll so cool. It's the it's the 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 one little off note in an iconic solo that you leave in there because that's um, what makes it cool.
1: Dude, have you have you recently listened to like Jagged Little Pill or even like Cheryl Crow's um, Tuesday Night Dance Club? She is flat and sharp all over the place. Holy shit. Leave it the oh fuck my God. alone. No, leave it's it alone. So perfectly imperfect. Yes. I love it. I mean, I, when people tell me like, Oh, your vocals aren't perfect. I'm like, thank you. No, they shouldn't be. <laughs> no, fuck no. I, I mean, like I, that's what I miss so much about, you know, these classic rock and iconic records. Is that like, perfect imperfectness.
0: Yeah. What's well, yeah. the difference between listening to the radio and hearing the guy go, hey, it's four past the hour. We're <laughs> listening to a rock DJ that's just like talking to you about something cool that you want to hear. It's like it's just a totally different listening experience. Pro Tools can make sure. anybody cool or sound cool. Well, great. yeah, I mean, that's why we have a bazillion artists now. It's like catfishing. Not- Call it what it is. You're getting... <laughs> Audibly catfished. Oh my god! I've never thought of it that way, but totally, it's true. That's the fucking loony. that's an it, that's a fucking Snapchat filter of what you really are, and without all of that stuff, it's not real. Whereas a rock fan will just—I mean—a rock artist will just go up on stage and be like, "Let's go."
1: I mean, that's well—that's what separates the the
0: people who were made to do this and the people who aren't
1: is, okay, use your microphone, go on stage. Yeah. You can You can always tell um, from a live performance if the person is authentic or not.
0: P.S., your monitors are going to go down, your in-ears won't work, you're going to break a string in the middle of a solo, the drummer's head on the snare just broke, and oh my. and figure it out. But fucking figure it out. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I, fuck, man, every day on this run with, Evanescence and hailstorm, something was going on for us on stage. But the show fucking goes on. And like I I, I remember, oh God, it used to eat me alive when I was a teenager. I would just get off stage if something went wrong. And I would just be so fucking so upset about it. And it would just drive me so crazy. Now, oh my God, now it makes the set. It makes the show. We, we get off stage and I'm like, oh my fucking God, dude bass sounded like a fucking fart in my monitors it was hilarious and you just go like now all of the fuck-ups and all of the weird things and all the crazy like uh
0: you know spontaneous things that happen on stage is like what makes it well spinal tap proves itself to be true you're gonna get stuck in a pod at some point you're gonna get stuck in a pod and you can either freak out about it or you can dave roll it break your leg build a throne and go back out on the road just dude Dave,
1: have you listened to his or read his um, autobiography? No, not yet. It's called it's the the, the, the Storyteller. Storyteller. Yeah, it's on my list of books. Like, OK, if you're going to do anything for yourself this holiday season, <laughs> let me tell you, just put that shit on and just listen. It is fucking. Credible. And it's him, you know. It's him telling the telling, reading off his book, and it's just so the shit that that he has been through, and the fucking that guy. God, I just want to, I just want to hang out with him. Well, so how do you,
0: how do you, how do you be in Nirvana, right? And then be in a bigger band than Nirvana? <laughs> like, it's one in a billion. What, what he did. Yeah, with fans telling him not to, that it was disrespectful that he wanted to keep making music and how dare you and, you know, whatever. Well, and it's again, like- it's that human nature of being told no and
1: you going, I can't wait to fucking prove you wrong,
0: Yes, you know, yeah. and he really did that. But yeah, him breaking his <laughs> I mean, and to make it's, it like a poster, your x-ray is now the tour poster. Like fuck it. It's genius. Yeah. It's genius. The best, the best
1: when you're listening to him describe that night how he had a doctor, like the on-site doctor, Like basically Holding his at, leg? Holding his leg. And he's playing. I think he was playing, I don't know, it was fucking Everlong or something. And he looks down at the um the doctor and he goes you know it's fucking crazy and how the doctor was like this is awesome and he's like <laughs> singing the lyrics basically back to dave while dave is just like this is fucking amazing and the doctor's like oh my god and like it turns out the doctor was actually a
0: musician Oh my god! And so, and so for him, it was like it was the greatest fucking experience. Well, of he's his a doc entire life. Like he's when else is he going to get that rock star experience? But but he will forever be the Dave Grohl leg doc. Like he'll always be oh. that guy. Oh, forever. Yeah, it's so awesome. It, it is funny that you know it's like I feel like every month looking for something to talk about on the show. I mean, just last month, Vince Neil fell off the stage. Ben Bruce from Asking Alexandria told me he fell off the stage. It's like. It's like they need a railing oh for you guys because you guys keep Oh, my God. Rolling. Dude, do you know
1: how many feet injuries and like, well, first of all, Ben, I'm friends with him, so like Ben, I have to wear heels. You are in fucking whatever
0: boots or chucks
1: that you're wearing. Yeah, you and Lizzie Hale
0: had... are wearing these fucking stiletto shoes, which I don't know how you do. Lizzie is way more ballsy than me.
1: She's wearing like the crazy ass pleaser, like like. Plat, like they're platforms, like shoes. Hot, yeah stri- yeah please, yeah they're ama- look i will do a photo shoot or a music video all day long in stripper shoes i commend the crap out of her going on stage for an hour and a half however long her set is and just ripping just absolutely fuck the whole time with a guitar i mean it is it
0: Foot is on it is the monitor, for, not it's,
1: giving a fuck
0: i don't know how she does gi- it
1: I have to work my way up to that. That's like a whole level of badassery that I will admit I am not at yet. But I am a heel bitch through and through. I like my heels on stage, um, and the amount of sprains, like just, and I have I already have like kind of messed up feet, and because I was a, I was a dancer and stuff growing up. So oh my god, the just the feet injuries alone that I have every year is just like, I'm getting to a point where I'm like, Oh my God,
0: <laughs> maybe I will try some flats
1: <laughs> or like the Gene like,
0: Simmons platform. Go that route. Like, yeah. I mean, or at least yeah, flat. Like, yeah. I mean, I love shoes, but I, but I have a love hate relationship because I have two different size feet. So for every pair of shoes, yeah, my feet are four sizes different. So, I have to buy two. Oh, I know. I just watched your brain. No. Like, yeah. So, I have, to, have to buy two pairs buy of so shoes. Many shoes. I know. <laughs> oh, no. And what people That's don't so fucking expensive. tell you is that smaller shoes, the heel is proportional. So, I found out that sometimes if you buy two pairs of the same shoe, the heel is like an oh, eighth of it. And then you're oh, like limping. No. Oh, it's a disaster. Like, I can't, the heels, I, it's. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, God, it's almost like at this point you should just find somebody to make you custom shoes. Well, it's I mean, you know, I have found places Nordstrom doesn't make me buy two pairs. They only make they only let me because it's more than two sizes. They have a policy that they only let me buy the, the shoes that I need. Wow. Oh, um, wow. That's so accommodating. Yeah. Cause my husband, like I said, my husband's a Marine. And so I have to go to a lot of formal, I mean, any excuse to put him in his Marine dress blues, I'm all about it. So we, right. So we have to like go to these like <gasps> functions and stuff and it never fails. It doesn't matter how beautiful the gown, whatever, end of the night, shoes are in my hand and I'm barefooting it through the frigging parking garage. because oh. I can't deal with the shoes at the end of the night. I can't. No, I am. I'm already there. Like I have, crocs that i wear to stage i wear those too
1: and they're so amazing i got the platform ones i live in them i live in them so i will wear the crocs to stage put the boots on perform the moment i am down those steps my tm's handing
0: that me my, my crocs back and i'm putting my fucking crocs back on and i'm like that's it <laughs> i can't I wear do it them anymore all the time and my crocs yeah. have muppet gibbets in them you know the, the <laughs> little the little things that you poke into the holes of the crocs that little kids put cartoon character. They're called gibbets. I have Muppets gibbets in my clora. <laughs> oh my God. Those are some fancy crocs. Yeah, I'm very high class and they're two different sizes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I bet you had to buy two pairs though, didn't you? Yeah, those so, motherfuckers at Crocs.com wouldn't just let me buy one pair. I had to buy so I have a closet full of off shoes that I can't wear. So I make jokes. What size? Six and ten. Oh, man. Right? Oh, my God. There's, that's such a difference. I joke that I need to befriend two badass female amputees because I'll outfit them with shoes for the rest of their lives because I have all these shoes that I can't. I need to find somebody with the opposite feet, but it's pretty hard. I've been looking. I, uh, I mean, put... We're putting the feelers out right now. And Anybody, a, a woman with the opposite feet that wants to live a lifetime supply of combat boots, platform shoes, stripper shoes, and Crocs. I can outfit them with shoes for life.
1: Oh, oh my gosh! Yeah, that is wild. Well, yeah, I mean, I have my fair share of, of shoe prop. Not like, not to that extent, but I have because, again, because I was a dancer. Yeah, We're, and in toe gym, shoes. Gymnast, I have Well, I have. The I, I think they call them ha- hammer toes. Yep. So like here, I'll even show you. I don't care. Oh so like God, see. It's okay. There, dude, there's like a fucking Instagram that's dedicated oh. to my feet. So they're out there. It's it's fine. The the cat's out of the bag, my feet are hideous. So see how it bunions out oh, right yeah. there? Yeah. So like I have to constantly with like certain heels or certain boots, I have to like work the sides of the shoes. Oh yeah to get it softer, otherwise I'm, you know, I feel like my feet are gonna break. Well, I'll show you.
0: I mean, it's hard to show you like this, but. (laughs) Wait, Wait, wait. you're,
1: you're, oh my God. That's extraordinary. Yeah.
0: So I learned. That's extraordinary. I learned a trick on TikTok if you're breaking in shoes, people do it for Doc Martens, but I'm gonna start doing it with all of my shoes. You put a giant Ziploc freezer bag inside another freezer bag and you fill it with water inside the shoe and you put it in the freezer and the water expands and stretches the leather of the shoe out. I haven't done it yet, but I'm learning every life hack on the planet on TikTok and I'm trying it the next time I get like new leather boots because... People That's claim genius. that it works because the ice stretches it out to the point where you can't even pull the ice out of the shoe because it's stretched so much. Then you got to take the shoes out of the freezer, let the ice thaw let again, melt, and then pull and then... it out and put your foot in the shoe after that, and it'll fit better. Oh my God. Try I'm it and let me know that. if it works. Yeah, because I'm going to try
1: it because I made the stupid mistake this tour of bringing a brand new pair of boots with me. It was so stupid. Bad, bad, so bad, bad, bad. No. So, like, I'm still recovering from like literally my toes, just open wounds, just so many scabs from these boots. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna get these for
0: my winter tour.
1: And then, and every I never woman wore has
0: band aids in their purse because you know you're gonna get blisters. Like every woman has a band aid in her purse, at least one, if not two, for the for the blisters. I have I don't have them in here. Otherwise, I'd show you that they're down in my suitcase. But I actually have
1: these fold up like ballet slippers that I bring with me. Like anytime we go out to dinner, anytime we go out, whatever, I put them in my bag because I know within an hour and a half, two hours, I'm going to be taking my fucking heels off. I just found
0: those. They're so, they're so convenient. My husband goes, do you have shoes in your purse? <laughs> you're like, yes. yes. Yes, I do. Yes. Thank
1: God. Because I'm, br- I'm brilliant. Yeah. You're, you're welcome. You're married to a genius. <laughs> P.S. They're two different sizes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's yeah. so fucking Struggle hilarious. is
0: real, Lilith. The struggle is real.
1: Carl, I fucking get it, dude. I totally, yeah. I, I, I don't have to deal. I don't have to deal with two different sized feet, <laughs> but there's some shit that I have to deal with on the road that I'm just like, Oh my God, I'm, I must be the only one that has to fucking deal with this.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not, it's not easy, but we make no, it look it, good. Oh yes, we make it look very chic. That's right. <laughs> well, enjoy um, enjoy all your quality family time. Thank you. It I was will. I'm a very pleasure excited to meet you, and I look forward to being able to hang out a couple times when you're finally able to come back to town with Evanescence and Hailstorm, and then with Godsmack and Three Days Grace and Black Veil Brides with the big the big gig that's at the end of April. I can't wait.
1: Carrie, I would love nothing more than to hang out with
0: you in person. This has hands down been my favorite interview Aww, all year. I mean, an hour you. and forty-five minutes went by and I didn't even I know, I feel it. really bad. I kept you way longer than I should have. No. I am sitting in Cincinnati with my thumb up my butt. I'm like, <laughs> And your you, husband's you want to talk this long. I'm like,
1: So what else should we talk about?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have to go downstairs and have scrambled I, eggs I, with my in-laws. <laughs>
1: Andy doesn't get here until Monday. Look, don't get me wrong. Amy and Chris are like my favorite people on the planet, but
0: yeah. it's just nice. You're like, you're like, I was supposed to be on tour with Hailstorm and Evanescence. I'm supposed this to, is to be opening for things.
1: Hailstorm and Evanescence tonight. Yeah. And I'm saying it's all gloomy outside. Like my
0: feelings. Yeah. Here, I, hear I hear you. I hear you. It's, oh, it's yeah. very, very gloomy. Oh, my God. It's so, like, suburban and residential. Like, if they only knew the the dark, evil metalness that's coming oh. out of that house. <laughs> people knew. People knew. Trust me. The stories and the pictures
1: alone, people yeah. knew Satan was a stewing in here. <laughs> 100%. Oh, my God. The stories Amy tells me about just, like, people just thinking they were, like, you know, devil worshippers and shit. Yeah. Because of the way it's <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so good he uh, used to...
0: well I yeah, uh,
1: scare the shit out of neighbors anyways.
0: yeah right yeah. Well, I have to like now, now our voices are warmed up right this, so this is as good as they sound because they're completely warmed up now so now I have to go yeah, to my radio show now oh my god I should let you go yeah whatever it's fine it's okay
1: Oh, man. Isn't that what, that's I mean, what they I, make
0: Led Zeppelin in like November Rain for, to give you those extra few minutes. Yeah. Oh, God. God. Songs
1: used to be so long. It's insane now what they're like, that's four minutes, and
0: it's too long. We need to cut out. Yeah. We need to cut out a minute. And you're like. Can you make it like November- Blur song too? Can you do that?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Can you give me like a minute and 48 seconds and that's, oh, and that's it? Oh, my God. Just thank
1: God these, that the computers Some run. of these rock songs that I've been hearing recently, these modern rock songs that are like literally a minute and a half. Yeah. I don't want to name the artists, but I'm like, I'm ruining it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, You're really, you, really ruining it. I'm just glad the computers help run the studios now because when I started in radio, like, we were still pushing the buttons for every song and like having to pee as a woman during a green day song was really hard. So now at least you can just walk out of the room and know that the computer will not take you off the air and come back. Otherwise the- Billy Joe Armstrong needs to write some longer songs for radio DJs. Cause we need to pee from time to time.
1: You know? I mean, I, I thank God I'm not alone. I pee well, it's also because I drink. I drink, and I'm because you're
0: no, this using is your voice all day long. You coffee. drink a lot
1: of fucking water. It's You drink a lot me. of liquid. Yeah. Okay. Well,
0: probably like every twenty
1: minutes, just because I drink so much fucking water. You and I made it. during this interview. Mistake.
0: Oh, I or have you peed during this interview? <laughs> no, I, I yeah, I'm like a fucking pee ninja. I've just you didn't notice. I mean, you wearing a diaper under those leather pants? What's going on? <laughs> I've got my depend
1: on, no, I have to piece, I have to piece so about him basically holding my vagina. So I made this stupid mistake. This was the last show that we played. I wore this full body. It was like a full body stocking is what we call it. And it didn't have, and then I, and then over it, I wore these like these like it's basically like a leather chastity belt basically at the, and, and then and then this bra thing that go to, goes over it so the outfit takes like six minutes to remove and I made the dumb choice of wearing that for stage before, and like I put it on about 20 minutes before we went on stage and so by the and I'm like I'll be good I'll be good we 20 minutes goes by we get to we get to stage and I'm like, oh my God, I'm gonna, we have to go on and I'm literally going to pee my
0: pants. And Don't worry, you can just bit. bring a fan up from the stage and pee on their face now. It's totally fine and acceptable. Oh my God, I could not believe that when I heard about that. Bitch is fucking crazy, but... Tyler Connelly from it. Theory of a Dead Man goes, people used to just wonder if, if Jim Morrison was going to whip his dick out. Look at how far women have come. They're peeing on dudes' faces now. Like, it's totally fine. Oh my god, dude! That's a whole I mean, other level of fandom, man. Like that's—if
1: I'm ever gonna pee on a fan, it's gonna be because I couldn't hold it because I was wearing a body stocking, not because I'm choosing to. <laughs> well,
0: I have peed on stage. By the way. in there. You've peed on stage? Yeah, on act.
1: Not no, no, because I couldn't control it. Here, here's the story. Before we leave, I
0: need to, I need to back up and tell <laughs> why I peed on stage. Because this is what's going to uh, end up in the Instagram story, and people are going to take it the wrong way. So, clarify. no.
1: Okay, so I, it was Warped Tour 2015. Um, I was, um, I was like, I got sick that week, so I saw an ear, nose, and throat doctor, and he was like, "Oh, I'm going to give you some steroids to help you with your voice because I was like coughing and I like had laryngitis. I couldn't really sing." So he was like, "Here, I'm going to give you some cortisone. It's going to get you through the week. You're going to be fine." Have you ever taken a steroid? Uh
0: I don't think so. Okay. No. You I'm trying to feel think. like I... you can you can lift a fucking car. Oh yeah. It, I had some I had a problem with my back and they put me on prednisone.
1: Yeah. Same, same, same concept. Yeah. Makes you feel literally like you could do a backflip off of a you're, you're tall building and Hulk. still live. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm on stage and i'm like oh my god like hulk mode going fucking crazy it was the most intense like feeling of being on stage because you're just like you you have so much adrenaline and so much like power in you that you feel that you have but is it really there it's not real yeah it's like 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 by the end of the night you're basically like pass out because you're so fucking tired because you've exerted yourself so much but on stage Singing the last song, I'm realizing how badly I have to pee on the last song. And I'm singing this big high note with all of my might. And now, as uh, when you're singing correctly, you're pushing from your like the area where you pee.
0: Yeah, your diaphragm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, to support your diaphragm. And that's what I was doing. And then all of a sudden, uncontrollably, unbeknownst to me, I did not agree to this body. So what I did <laughs> is I, I was like, oh, my God. In that three seconds, my lizard brain was like, grab your water. So I'm singing, the and I'm peeing, trick. I'm peeing at the same time singing, and I grab my monster water, and I just dump it on top of my head so it would mask the pee. pee puddle that I had just made on stage and I did I got away. nobody knew they know now until now,
0: that's okay I was like five years ago <laughs> <curious>. <laughs> somebody right now is looking up video of that performance going there is there is video of that oh, performance now you know she peed yep oh my fully God. peed my pants
1: I mean it happens yeah, I mean, I've crapped my pants a little
0: bit, too, on stage before. A, it just you're, happens. You're a member of the I Shit My Pants Club. I know a lot of people that are a member of the I Shit My Pants Club. I am not a club member yet. A lot of my military friends have shit their pants for some reason.
1: Well, I mean... It happens. I would If I was in war, I'd shit my pants, too. <laughs> 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 but, yes, I have shit my pants. I am not afraid to admit. It
0: happens. Yeah. It happens. I mean, Sometimes you go to fart and it's not a fart. I have I have a couple friends that still to this day don't believe that I'm not a member of the I Shit My Pants Club. And I have sworn an oath, like a blood oath, that when it happens, because it's bound to happen at some point, that I have to call them and admit to it. Like, I have promised I'm very them. impressed.
1: Yeah. I'm very, very impressed. Because I've shit my pants a couple of times.
0: <laughs> so the fact that you've never shit your yeah. pants. and I would cop is- to it. It's not like I'm afraid to admit it if it... You know, it's like, no, because it's, it's always totally a good normal. story. Like there's always something going on, but yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't done it yet. So I, I'll put you no. on the phone tree when I ship my pants. Please do. <laughs> Please do. Car. I need to know the moment you crap your pants. This is going to be one of the most downloaded episodes of my podcast for the entire year. I can see this already way more downloads than want. Andy's episode and half of it. I can't even play on the radio show because it's just not even acceptable, which is what makes that the sound, internet so good. That sounds about right with him. Yeah. I mean, you can say
1: literally talk about crapping your pants and it's perfectly acceptable. Totally fine.
0: Yeah. Totally. Well, fine. on, on that, on that note, on that high note, <laughs> before I pee my pants, <laughs> please don't pee your pants on the show. But to my knowledge, it would be a first. But it's fine. Um, I, I really would feel very
1: bad if I had to go and tell Amy that I peed in in Andy's room
0: on the ground. I, I don't know.
1: I'd be like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave. <laughs> just gonna get out of here. We're
0: getting divorced. Thanks, I God. can't handle this humiliation. <laughs> we shouldn't. We. don't we don't have to talk ever again (laughs) and that's how she ruined christmas (laughs) (laughs) holy shit oh man it was so good to get to know you today i knew i was gonna have a good time but oh man this has been fun so fucking awesome carrie you're the shit you're the best i will see you twice twice in the next few months can't wait Congratulations awesome, on everything. Enjoy everything. Stay healthy. And uh same. And we'll see you soon. Awesome, Carrie. Thank you so much. See ya. Bye. Bye. And there she is, Lilith Czar. I told you this was a fun episode, and you had to listen right to the end to get all the good stuff. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss anything from the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday, and every weekday you get the sit rep. The situation report is all of your rock news, music headlines, and industry info in less than 5 minutes. Plus, you never know when we're going to release a bonus episode of the podcast. Now, if you want to find out more about Lillizar, check the show notes of this podcast because all of her links are right there. There's also a link to get tickets to the WAF big gig at the end of April. You'll find all of my links there as well and the link to the corresponding playlist. For every full-length episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast, you get a playlist so you can go back and listen to all of the music that we talked about. Huge thanks once again to our sponsor, Digital Federal Credit Union. You can find them online at dcu.org. And you can join me live every Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern on my Facebook page for Cocktails in the War Room. The Mistress Carrie Podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. With Progressive's Name Your Price tool, you can find options that fit your budget. Because giving you options is the right thing to do. Oh yeah, like when I hold the door for someone. Sure, it may be weird if I don't time it right, and they're a little too far away, and now they're running. And we're both asking ourselves, is it worth it to run instead of just, you know, letting them open their own door? But still, it's the right thing to do. So get options based on your needs with Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy.